You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Lauren Rimsbecker, BHC Senior Director of Member Engagement and Communications. Hello, I am Lauren Rumsbecker, and thanks for listening to the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. Today, we are continuing our conversation around type 2 diabetes and employer efforts to prevent, better manage, and reverse the condition in their workplaces. While we know that this disease places a significant physical burden on employees, This is just one piece of the equation. Emerging research shows that those with diabetes also have an increased risk of developing depression and poor mental health and vice versa. To further examine this association and opportunities for organizations and individuals to take action, I'm pleased to be joined by two experts from Naturally Slim. Dr. Tim Church is one of the country's top clinical thought leaders in exercise and obesity research authoring over 250 clinical articles. He is currently Chief Medical Officer and Chief Strategy Officer of Naturally Slim, and is also an adjunct professor of preventive medicine at Pennington Biomedical Research Center at LSU. Dr. Dana Labat is a clinical psychologist with Naturally Slim. Through individual and group therapies, Dr. Labat partners with adolescents and adults to create and bolster coping skills while highlighting strengths in order to navigate through difficult times. Dr. Church and Dr. Labat, thank you for speaking with us today. Great to be here with you, thank you. Yeah, real pleasure, thank you, Lauren. So let's go ahead and dive right into this topic. You know, when we're thinking about diabetes, depression isn't necessarily the first condition that comes to mind. But as we mentioned earlier, research is showing that there's a significant relationship between Mm -hmm. the two. Can you elaborate on this a little further? Yeah, you know, right off the bat, we'll go with just the raw numbers. Um, People with type 2 diabetes are at two or three times the risk, two or three times. So two to 300 percent higher risk of having clinical depression. Uh, That's coupled by another scary fact um, that only 25 to 50 percent of them are likely to be treated because people get so fixated with hemoglobin A1C and the latest medication and other things that, that, that diabetes or I'm sorry depression it doesn't come isn't really front of mind when you're when you're working with with type 2 diabetic patients Dana I'm, I'm guessing you you live in New Orleans I mean there's a diabetic or two there too um, I, I imagine you've got a few in your practice who you know how do how do these guys present to you Well, I think to your point, Tim, that people don't really get treatment. When my clients come into my office and I'm doing an assessment to try to get a clear understanding of what the bigger picture is, when I find out that they have diabetes or are diagnosed with diabetes, one of the things that I ask them off bat is, you know, how how have you been feeling? How have you been feeling? And on top of that, I ask them, how is your provider? addressing your, the emotional aspects. And you know what my clients consistently tell me, and it's unfortunate, but what I'm consistently told is, well, we don't really talk about it. We don't talk about it. And, you know, and as, as Tim said, you know, one out of three people diagnosed with diabetes have depression. And another statistic is even if it's not clinically diagnosed anxiety or depression, Over an 18 month period, research shows that 33 to 50% of people with diabetes develop 
what's called diabetes distress, which is a subclinical level of anxiety symptoms that play out. So what this is telling us is that you can't treat one without treating the other. And, and it's a bi-directional effect, meaning that if someone's diabetes is not treated well and they're experiencing uh, poor mental health outcomes, it's going to further exacerbate their ability to address this disease process, which could make it worse, which could really impact it. Isn't that what you've been seeing, Tim? Yeah, yeah. Well, you hit on so many good points. I'm, I don't I could scoop up all of them. Um, you, diabetes, once you have type 2 diabetes, whether you like it or not, you got to manage it actively. If you don't manage it actively, well, bad things are going to happen. The good news is if you do manage it actively, you can really prevent most of those bad things from happening. Um, so when I talk about act, man, actively managing it, I mean, um, taking your medications you're supposed to, going to your checkups as you're supposed to, being physically active as you're supposed to. Um, so, and it's like, it, it's, I mean, stuff's all interrelated. You know, if you're struggling with depression, the likelihood of, of managing those other things are, 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 are a little bit lower. But again, there's an upside to this. If you do manage this, um, you know, it's all reflected, your hemoglobin A1C, you can, you can really, uh, really have an impact. You know, you're in control of your destiny, so to speak. True. So all great points. And Dr. Church, you mentioned from an individual standpoint, this idea of active management and the role that an employee or a patient can play in that process. When we're looking at employers and kind of this double-edged sword of, of mental and physical health um, as it relates in diabetes, how can they be addressing that as organizations? And is there a way to do that simultaneously? Yeah, you know, to me, diabetes is a continuum. You, you really want to look at, okay, the, the healthy individuals who, who really aren't at risk, then you want to look at the people who are at risk because, boy, what a time to action. If you can prevent people from going into type 2 diabetes, great time to action. Then, of course, you know, your, your regular diabetes management programs. But one of the places I've seen employers be really successful that you don't always think about is to the far right-hand side, those uncontrolled diabetics, those, those diabetics who have multiple comorbid risk factors, depression being one of them. That's where you can really aggressively reach out and not only really help a person, but also very much um, kind of control your, your costs. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the reason why that's also really important is when we think about productivity, depression and anxiety are incredibly uh, impactful when it comes to an employee's ability to be a productive contributor to that organization. And so if, an, if, an, if a program hits on addressing not only the active management of, that, of those symptoms, but also addressing you know, the areas where productivity could be significantly impacted and try to make a difference there, then you're, then it's, you know, it's a twofold punch. It's a, it's a great opportunity to be able to help that employee continue being an active participant. And that's so incredibly important. And I think sometimes, you know, some programs um, don't really understand that you got to do both. You know, you have to do both. And that's one of the things that I think is really exciting about the program, you know, with Natural Sim that I'm working with is because when you're hitting on that, when you're able to help those participants, when you're able to help those participants recognize, well, how do I know if I'm feeling overwhelmed? How do I address what my needs are 
um, then perhaps we can get rid of some of those barriers that might be getting in the way of managing, uh, managing that person's diabetes. And that's a great segue into our next question. As we know that environment plays a big part in an individual's well-being, um, especially from the mental perspective. And right now, given the current environment, we're living through a pandemic. Uh, many times the work situations are being altered for individual employees. And we're seeing some of these behaviors driven by stress and anxiety pop up. So emotional eating and mindless snacking um, are really starting to come to the forefront. How do you think this is going to impact employee health moving into the future? Dana, why don't you start with that one? Let's let the psychologist talk about the psychology stuff. <laughs> you know, I love talking about this because, you know, Lauren, you hit on it, right? Emotional eating, mindless snacking. This is... This is, this is my bread and butter. I absolutely love talking about this. I know that's why Tim's throwing this in my direction. You know, when we can help people be more mindful, when we can act, help people engage in understanding in a very more, in an intentional and purposeful way, in a way without judging themselves, but recognizing how do I, how do I approach this really stressful environment? How do I normalize this experience for myself and recognize what I need, then, then that's when we're getting somewhere, right? That's when we're getting, and employers have, have an exponential opportunity to really demonstrate being present for employees in this particular area. Being able to say, we've got an opportunity to be able to recognize, recognize that being present is important. And these are the tools and skills that we can give you and the resources that we can give you so that you have something to grab onto when you feel like you're sinking. And a lot of people that I talk to do feel that way. They, this time with the pandemic, not being able to consistently engage in their normal routines, not being able to visit family, not being able to do the things that normally would help them feel empowered and um, self-assured. Right now, again, it's sparking that anxiety. And what we find is that when people are more anxious and are feeling really badly, two things go out the window, compassion and clear thinking, right? And so we have to find ways to allow people to become more mindfully engaged. And when they do that, when they do that, they can use the skills and resources to be able to take care of themselves much better. I love that answer, you know, because usually the answer is this to-do list. Go get active, eat healthier, right. step on your scale more. You know, you can't address the physical things we want people to do until you address the mental things we want to right. do. And that's what Dana was, was diving into there. You know, these, so many of these programs offered to employers, they're just kind of like marching orders. Hey, mm -hmm. get me 10,000 steps. Hey, you know what? How about you eat less saturated fat? Okay, that's freaking wonderful. We all know what we should do. Uh, what you really need to be figuring out and helping your employees with is ways to help them do it. Give right. them the skills. And so many of the skills are related to what's going on in your head. You know, treat above the shoulders first. That's what Dane is applying to. And that's, you know, that's what a good program's going to do. A good program's going to empower people. So you know, don't, don't say don't go to the buffet. That makes no sense. Here's yeah. your skills for dealing with a buffet. Yeah. And then also, you know, one of those skills might be, hey, I had a very emotional day. I tend to emotionally eat. 
let's reflect, let's think, let's come up with a strategy because I can't get out of going to dinner, already committed, but now I want to show up with some skills and it's going to be okay. I'm going to turn a positive into a positive, into what could have been a negative. So yeah. I, I love, um, you know, what Dana did and what she talked about there. So much of this is just, you know, uh, you know, treat above the shoulders first before you worry about anything else. You know, and Tim, to your point, it's the whole person, right? It's the whole person. It's being able to recognize that you have to work with the whole person, not the to-do list, because for some people, it can be very overwhelming. Not just saying, like you said, get on the treadmill and exercise, or not just have a program where you're, where you're doing meditations all day. It's about treating the whole person. The whole, and when you just give them that list, in a way, you're setting so many people up for failure. Because once they make their first misstep, they're going to be like, oh, this wasn't meant for me. Oh, I'm the worst person at this ever. I mean, an example is you teach that person resilience. You teach that person, you know what? We all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. You just pick it up again. But if they were never taught that, probably with their first misstep, they're in trouble. So, you know, it really all starts with these skills. It really all starts with, with so many of the things Dana hit on. So many fantastic points. Uh, it just makes total sense, as you said, and kind of looking at this, again, not just by the numbers, um, but understanding that employees are human uh, and that we all have a, a variety of different factors that are at play in here. So looking again at uh, the organizational side, knowing that we have a lot of employers that are in our audience listening today, um, what are some tangible examples for how they might be able to curb the clinical, financial, and cultural impact of some of these behaviors we've been talking about um, post-COVID-19? Right, so let me start there because Dana already lobbed me a big old softball and then it's <laughs> treat the whole person. Oh my gosh. I mean, five months ago, Lauren, if I had said to you, hey, you know, we're going to get people healthier so their immunity's better, you'd been like, who cares? Really? Immunity? We're going to talk immunity today? Guess what? Immunity is really, really important all, the, all of a sudden. And so, you know, when I think about treating the whole person, I kind of go down my list. I want to first and foremost, I want to be physically active. Two, you know, I, I want them to eat healthy. Three, you, they have to lose a few pounds for stress management. You want to destroy the immune system, stress somebody out. The other way you can really impact the immune system is sleep. And these things are all related. It, it, it's nonsensical to only talk about one thing, one of these things at a time. You can't talk about weight loss without talking about sleep. You can't talk about weight loss without talking about physical activity. So it drives me nuts when these points solutions come in there and they're super narrowly focused. And it's like, you're just setting the person up for failure. So that would be, you know, I stole this from Dana and I'm not going to apologize, but treat the whole person. That would be my, that would be my first recommendation um, before, I, before I hand the microphone back to Dana to find out what her recommendation might be. Well, again, I, 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 would, I would further agree. I think, you know, Tim, when you're talking about the, again, the whole person is how can you increase a person's sense of self-efficacy? And, you know, employers have to understand how important that is, that if you help, the, if you help your employee develop the skills and tools, then they know that if they fall off the horse, they can get back on. But if, and Tim talked about this, like the, again, the whole idea of, you know, I failed and that's it. Well, if you're going to have long lasting change, you have to start off small 
work to develop the skills, allow someone to gain a sense of empowerment and agency and self-efficacy, and that would increase their adherence. It'll increase their compliance with what programs they're supposed to follow, their doctor's recommendations. They'll, uh, they'll continue to you know, get out there and exercise when they sometimes don't want to, but you have to start by addressing all of those points you know, that Tim was talking about. And again, that stress management, if we already know that the physiology of diabetes contributes to that those people are going to be more prone to anxiety just because of the, the biological processes, you've got to pay attention to that. To this is an issue that you have to deal with. And that is making sure that people know how to, it's not just talking about stress management, it's how do you manage stress, right? Not, oh, you need to do it, but how do you do it? What are the skills and tools you can, uh, can rely on? What happened if that one skill doesn't work? What are the other skills and tools that you have at your disposal? And that's what I love about what it is that we do because it is about, it really is about making sure that employers and, and employees and sharing those skills and tools with them and among them so that they can be a support and also for employers to stand with employees. It's not just about, we're going to give you something and then you do it and we'll be fine. It's like, no, this is something we're doing together. We can join in to support the growth, you know, of, of our, of our workforce. You know, Lauren, I, I'm going to say something a little edgy and hopefully no one out there gets offended, but you know, these are complicated topics mm -hmm. and you, this is why we have someone like Dana on our team in front of the camera, <laughs> you know? It takes this type of expertise, it takes this type of experience to truly help people. Um, and, and you know, um, you know, our sleep experts, the guy that, in, that coined the term power nap, mm -hmm. you know, we, when, you, when you address these complicated topics, I believe they need to be addressed by somebody who really knows what they're talking about, not somebody who, who you know, necessarily just kind of got certified last weekend at a weekend course. Um, I've taught those courses. I know who's there, um, you know, but, but I think, I think it's critical when you, when you address these life and death situations, you, you have world-class experts doing it. So that, that's one thing I would look for as an employer. I, 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 I appreciate that. It was a bit of a opinionated, but I, it's kind of where I stand on that. No, we appreciate it too, Dr. Church. And I, I you know, it might be edgy, but I think you're right. It comes down to the evidence base and the research, uh, and to your point, without having the right experts and partners uh, in an employer's court, it's gonna be a, a difficult condition to manage in, in totality. Do you know, the thing about type two diabetes, one of the reasons it's so, it, prevention and treatment is so nice to work in is, and I'm very careful with this word, or words, ROI, and there are so many topics where it's almost impossible to truly come up with an ROI. But if there's one place you can come up with an ROI, it is in, it is in preventing diabetes and it is in treating type 2 diabetes. And you can get an ROI, you know, at the cultural level for obvious reasons. You can get ROI at the clinical level. I mean, come on, you lower their hemoglobin A1C, all kinds of good things happen to them. And you can certainly get an ROI at the financial level. Um, so while I generally try to avoid ROI in discussions, um, 
type two diabetes is not one of the places I avoid ROI because it's, it's very real. It's very tangible. It's been demonstrated. Um, and you know, it's, it's something we've shown. Um, so, so particularly moving forward, you know, we, we saw this, that, you know, with COVID, the, the individuals type two diabetes were at much higher risk of getting it. They were at much higher risk of dying from it. Yes. And, and I don't want to be more of it, but that just adds to the importance of keeping these people and as good as health as they could be. And it, that also adds to all those ROIs I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more, Tim. Excellent points. And, you know, I think this is exactly why we wanted to have this conversation and really helping uh, our audience to understand that type 2 diabetes has a much bigger impact on employee well-being than we traditionally think. Um, but as we've mentioned today, it's promising to hear that there are some real concrete steps that uh, both organizations and individuals can be taking to address the physical and mental components of the disease. Uh, before we sign off for today, I just want to ask you both if you have any final remarks for our audience uh, that you'd like to leave with. I think first, I, I would just like to say that I think it's it's incredible that employers are thinking about this. I think it's uh, it demonstrates, you know, to employees that there's an investment in their their lives and in their futures, and that being able to broaden the conversation to include emotional health and well-being into the conversation about physical functioning is such an important conversation to have. So I'm just excited that employers are open to the discussion and trying to figure out solutions that work for them and their em employees. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think that's well stated. And I, I want to I want to offer one simple sentence for both the individual and the company level. Um, and it's right out of the world of psychology. Small steps lead to big steps. Yes. Uh, when you, especially at a time like this, people right now feel so bad about themselves because they've been inside for three months and probably not as active as they would like to be, probably eating more than they would like to be. You know, give yourself some grace. If there was ever a time to give yourself some grace and understand small steps lead to big steps, you know, take that one block walk today. Um, you know, and I say that at an individual level, at a company level, um, you know, that, that would be my one piece of advice today. I love that. It's all about breaking it down uh, and understanding that this can be overwhelming, but it is possible to have an impact, so. Dr. Church and Dr. Labat, thank you again for spending some time with us today. We're really looking forward to continuing to partner with Naturally Slim on our Defeat Diabetes STL campaign and overall supporting employers uh, with their workforce health needs. Wonderful. It's great to be here with you. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.